What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of Sir Kevin Says. Today is episode number 13 with AJ Raphael. AJ is a YouTuber, creative artist, and singer-songwriter. A little bit about AJ. He was born in Riverside, California. He has over 870,000 subscribers on YouTube and 400,000 monthly listeners on Spotify. AJ released his first album in 2011, Red Roses, debuting at number five on iTunes Pop Charts. AJ has traveled all around the world sharing his music, including Australia, Canada, and the Philippines. He's an advocate for the Asian American community and was recently named a Filipino American game changer by the city of LA. I met AJ a couple years ago at a Tori Kelly concert in Redlands, California. You'll see that much of today's conversation is about his YouTube career, as well as his artistry, the albums that he's put out, even a song that he wrote about Emma Watson, and also how he deals with positive and negative comments on his YouTube page and social medias. I think it's something important to talk about because of today's society where it's very easy now to reach any celebrity via social media. So it's important to see that they have feelings and emotions and frustrations as well. And you'll be able to see how he responds and how he's changed over the years. So I think you guys are going to enjoy it very much. If you're listening via Spotify, I invite you to follow Sir Kevin Says. If you're on Apple Podcasts, you can show your support by subscribing and rating the show five stars. Alternatively, you can watch the video version of this and every other episode on my YouTube channel, Kevin Michael Chong, or visit my website, www.sirkevinchong.com and view or listen to them that way. Episode number 13 is on your way. What's up, guys? Welcome to episode number 13 of Sir Kevin Says. Today, I'm sitting down with AJ Raphael, artist, singer-songwriter, and creative. How yes. you doing, AJ? Good, good. Thanks for having me, bro. Bro, thanks for doing this, man. Yeah, man. <laughs> it's fun. We're in Glendale right now. So, uh, yeah, finally, I'm in LA. You're in LA? I've lived in the Inland Empire my whole life. When did you make the move? Uh, June of, of 2018. 2018. Yeah. Man, how's it like over here? It's good. Yeah. It's good. I, you know, like you guys who are in the IE as well, I'm not used to the busy, busyness of LA. Sure. But Glendale is not that crazy. You know, everything kind of closes early and it doesn't get crazy like K-Town or Hollywood, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I like it. I like it here. What made you make the move? Um, a lot of personal things, but also like I, I'm turning 30 this year and I was just like, I need to do it. And just make that move. I think a lot of people expected me to be here already, mm -hmm. you know. And 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 when I've gotten people to come to Riverside to make videos and stuff or whatever, um, I've had to like bribe them with gas money or <laughs> be like, I got dinner. Yeah, you know what I yeah. mean. So yeah. yeah, man, it's yeah, it's it's good to now be in the. Where, where everybody is. Sure. You know what I mean? Sure. In the circle. Yeah. You know? So, yeah, so, man. What's the story like for you, man? How did you get started with music? Uh, you know, was it something that you were doing since a very young age or? Yeah, it's kind of like a family thing. Okay. And um, my dad and mom were in choir. I grew up um, just going every Sunday to whatever church my dad was playing at. 
and he played at many different churches, um, different denominations and stuff, mm-hmm. probably like four services uh, every Sunday. Wow. And um, my mom, you know, would be like a guest singer in all of those. And then we had our home church, which was in LA. Okay. So we lived in Marino Valley, but we'd come out to LA every weekend. Oh, man. Um, this is where all my dad's siblings live. And my mom, um, the, our home church was uh, this Catholic church out here in LA called St. Columban. And my dad was the music director there. Okay. Um, and my mom and, and all our relatives were singing in that choir too. So I just remember like growing up into like just choir environment, you know. Um, my, my dad had gotten me into piano lessons when I was very young um, until I was like five or six. And I just kind of got tired of classical music, maybe until I was seven. And, um, and my dad was in a pop band uh like a cover band okay they play weddings like top 40 and stuff. And yeah like yep. a top 40 mm-hmm. back in the day um they'd play oldies and stuff too but i noticed he'd be playing a lot of more pop music and he'd have more he'd have different sheet music just than just church it'd be a lot of pop music he had disney books and stuff mm-hmm. um so i remember learning how to read from like uh read from a fake book um i was like eight or so and i there was this keyboard that my dad had, it was a Yamaha. And you, you know, when you press like start and stop and the beat mm-hmm. goes on. Yeah. But there's also the accompaniment. So then you, you're pressing the left hand, you know, E flat or whatever it is. Sure. And then you're just doing, you know, so I'm like making like remixes and stuff <laughs> of Disney music. And like, they had all the different genres like trance and then foxtrot, like random mm-hmm. disco stuff. So that's kind of how I got my start playing the music I play now which is more like pop rock based yeah. and, um, and, and R&B and stuff too. Um, just because of, of that Yamaha keyboard, because my dad you know, influenced me and inspired me to do that. Um, and then he passed away when I was 10 and I um, took over for him at church. And, but only the church in Marino Valley. So Are you still there today? You're, I still do every Sunday. Oh, wow. Yeah. So you commute. And- yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, it, now that I live in L.A., um, there are other people stepping up. There's this kid as well who reminds me of myself. Um, he's like 12 or 13 now as well. And he's he's taking a lot of my Sundays now, which is wow. good when I can't really yeah. make it out there. Yeah. But the thing is my mom, so when my dad was the music director and pianist, so my mom and me split his job. So my mom became the choir director with no experience doing it. And then I became the pianist. So my mom like has just her way of like kind of fake directing, not even in like the proper four, yeah. but she's just moving her hand yeah. still to this day, but sure. like her people understand. Mm-hmm. Um, and she runs the children's choir um, and adult choir and then another another service as well. But whenever I can make it, which is at least twice a month, you know, I'm still at that same church. Yeah. So, and it's cool. so still the same people who raised me and stuff yeah. as well with church music. Is it very uh, family oriented there? Like, yeah, I would say so. Yeah. You know, like I call, I mean, in Filipinos in general will call their just older people like auntie or uncle or mm-hmm. tito and tita, right? Mm-hmm. Same, same in, in a lot of other cultures, yeah. but um, they really do feel like family because they were, they were all there and they were in the choir when my dad passed away and stuff. Oh, okay. You know, so they're all watching after me and my mom worked nights. So yeah. a lot of them would take turns taking care of us and stuff. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you know, music is very like, um, attached to, to the, the, 
events I had growing up, you know, like with my dad and stuff and my mom, but it's just like the environment, you know, it's just music all around. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And you've recorded uh, three albums or? Two, well, technically, (laughs) I had an album when I was growing up. It was called AJ from Maruna Valley. (laughs) <laughs> and my mom wrote, uh, bought me this thousand uh, dollar, twenty four track, uh, rolling thing when I was young. Mm-hmm. I was fifteen, fourteen, and um, I didn't even know how to use it. Honestly, I just knew how to like record each track and stuff. Like, I didn't know how to punch in or whatever. My mom got me a drum set as well because I I was so interested in the drums and I already had piano and uh, my uncle bought me a guitar and I recorded everything on my own. Uh, there's this band that I loved growing up called The Rocket Summer, and he played everything. So I was like, cool, I can do it as well. So I would start, I just lay down the drum track first without laying anything else because I didn't know how to hook up a metronome or a click or anything. Uh-huh. Um, so I, I made this whole CD. It was like 10 tracks. I burned the CDs at home. I eventually made enough money to buy like a, like an industry burner. <laughs> that like even later on, Tori Kelly borrowed it from me for her EP. Yeah. So like, you know, it's been through a lot, but that that's later, 2009. Mm-hmm. So this is in 2004 and um, I'm burning all these CDs. My friend, uh, my best friend, Arby, who you've met, he is helping me sell these CDs at school. For every 10 CDs, I'd buy them in, in and out. It was my fault that he became a big man. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, but yeah, it was crazy, man. We'd be hustling. We'd have fanny packs of cash. That's crazy. You know, people were selling candies and stuff. We were selling yeah. CDs. And this is my MySpace days. So yeah. um, I had one song on my MySpace via real player HTML code because there was no player back then. And it was one song called How's San Diego Poly? And everyone at my school like knew that song, you know? And we'd, we'd play backyard shows and I'd be playing with, and that was the the era of warp Tour and oh, like man. metal, hardcore, yeah. right? Um, so I'm playing like m- melodic pop stuff with some people who would play with me as well. Uh, Andrew Garcia's band back mm-hmm. in the day, he had a post-hardcore band called Ovid and he would scream and stuff too and sing, but their stuff was really hardcore. And I'm playing, I'm opening for them, but I'm like kind of a melodic pop rock guy, you know? Yeah. Um, so kind of just like bringing the emo into... <laughs> but yeah, I was selling this CD, bro. Um, it wasn't until 2011 where I actually produced my real first actual album. Full length, printed printed a thousand copies, distributed online yeah. um, everywhere. Ended up in Target somehow. Wow. Um, so that was my... Second album, but really my first. Sure. And then I have another EP called Beautiful Escape. Um, that was in 2013. Okay. And then just singles from there on. Mm-hmm. Not I have not um, created like a, a product product in a long, long time. 2011 was your first official one, like kind of yeah. to the world, you uh-huh. know, which is uh, Red Roses, right? Red Roses. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 You know, I, I was telling talking to Devin about this on the way here, but you have a song called Emma Watson. Yeah. So what's that about? It's about Emma Watson. <laughs> <laughs> so like a love song to her? Um, yeah, if you listen to that song, that's actually a different um, feel from the rest of the album, mm-hmm. uh, which is why I opened the album with that. Um, I kind of wanted like that pop rock, pop rock um, 
indie sound. Sure. You know, it's very rock, like dun 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 dun. Um, but the lyrics are really about having a crush on like a celebrity crush. Okay. Mine happened to be Emma Watson. Yeah. Um, when I did, I did a music video for it where I just had people submit and sing to their idols and stuff. It was so cool because like they're using the song Emma Watson, but they're replacing it, you know, That's with funny. like their own That's cool. people. Like, you know, some of them were mine. Some of them were the, some other people, like YouTube people, Jessica Sanchez, Joseph Vincent, things like that. Um, so it became like this anthem for like the fangirl, fanboy anthem, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, um, but she's never heard it. I don't think, you've who never, knows? You've never met her. I've never met her. We've, we've tweeted thousands of tweets to her, if not 10,000 tweets over the years. And she's not even favorited one. <laughs> is she active on social media? No, but there was a time where she was, right? Oh, okay. And we were like, this is the time. Everyone's yeah, like, dude, yeah. Emma's, Emma's on uh, Twitter, you know, send this stuff to her. Uh, but it's so funny, bro, because I remember watching. This is when Imagine Dragons just came out. Oh, wow. I don't know what year this was, but they go. Um, this is a couple years after Red Roses. And she introduces them at the VMAs. And she's like, Imagine Dragons, such an amazing band. They also have a song called Emma, which is so cool. Oh, and I was man. like, what? <laughs> I have a song with your actual full name. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> It was trash. That's was hilarious, bad. man. Uh, but yeah, that's what that's about. So that's yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. Yeah. So how'd you get started with the YouTube stuff? So you've been doing it for a while now. I think since what two thousand and five or six or, or yeah, before that? six two thousand six. Because okay. I think the first YouTube video is two thousand five. Okay, so how'd that get going for you? Um, um like? two thousand six September two thousand six September ten two thousand six or twelve. Wow. Um. 13 years. 13 years. 13 years already. Um, I was just trying to get the attention of this band that I loved called Megan Dia. Okay. Uh, Dia Frampton was on The Voice and we're good friends now. But I, we, um, they were on Warped Tour at the time and MySpace was big and I had recorded this piano medley and it is a video camera that my mom had and um, I don't even say anything in the video. I just plop it next to my piano and Start playing? I just play. My boxers are showing in that video. <laughs> you can't even really... There's no personable. But it was just the piano. Uh-huh. And um, it's like a 10-minute medley, maybe. Or six or something. And um, But it had all their songs of their album. And some old stuff, because I was obsessed with their music. And they put me on their top eight. Wow. On MySpace. And uh, they featured my video on their profile. And I That's was like, cool. oh my gosh, this is cool. This is a cool way to express myself, mm-hmm. YouTube, and not just make tracks. Um, MySpace video was there at the time too. I think uh, maybe YouTube was created in a way to compete with that. Who knows? But I had made like one video on MySpace video. The interface was not as friendly as YouTube. Mm-hmm. YouTube was so easy. Yeah. You just hit upload and then drag it. Yeah. And, um, and then I noticed after creating a couple videos that I had a thousand subscribers, which is which I didn't know what a subscriber was. I thought people were paying or I didn't know, yeah. you know? And then yeah. I saw I had a thousand, but then I also saw people celebrating when they hit certain milestones. So I was like, oh, okay, cool. This could be a thing. So then after that, it starts becoming a thing where I am like talking to the camera, talking to the people who are um, viewing sure. the thing. Yeah. And I see the same people watching over and over. So it becomes a community mm-hmm. after a couple months. And not just oh 
a thing for me to put videos on my MySpace. Yeah. You know? Um, so yeah, it was, that was the time of, we're just figuring it out and re- I'm using the webcam from my laptop now to make videos. Wow. It's easier. Yeah. You know, iMovies on there. Um, like Apple has, has made it so easy. Yeah. You know, and accessible. Right. Um, so I remember just learning everything myself and that's, that's how I, I started making this community. And, and then pe- I, people started, um, asking to collaborate and stuff like let's do videos and stuff. And they'd come out to Riverside and, yeah. you know, like good memories of like just people coming over because I had the setup already. Yeah. Yeah. You know, eventually bought like the flip cam. Remember those things, mm-hmm. things like that, man. Like we we're just like all to put something on YouTube. And they were all like one takes. We weren't lip syncing back then yet, you know, or like pre-recording stuff. Yeah, yeah. Post editing after. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just editing on there. So yeah, man, it was, it was amazing. Was that during the time? So you you started doing that. Did you see like your friends now, like Andrew and Tori? Were they yeah. following in those footsteps? And like, were you the one that kind of introduced that idea? I mean, in a way, like uh, Tori, for example, was already doing her own thing. Mm-hmm. But uh, me and Andrew, um, me and Andrew grew up playing shows together, right? And, you know, I think, I mean, we're mostly encouraging each other to do YouTube. Uh, But since I was the one, I was growing faster a little bit on YouTube. So, you know, I'd get Andrew in on the collaborations. Mm -hmm. He had his own channel. He had his own songwriter group uh, called the Adrian William Project. So he started releasing songs as well. Um, And when he was on American Idol, he had met... um, Tori, and he was like, uh, "This is after the season is over, or before. Either way, it was he met her and was like, you need to meet this girl.' And he got her to come to my house. And the first day that we met Tori, we made a video called um, it was a Bruno Mars medley, Mm -hmm. Um, and it's just me on the piano and them on the other side. And you know, we did a couple takes, and there were a lot of people over that day. Like Victor Kim was randomly there, like." Um, my friends were there. Ken Solomon was there. Like, they were just watching. This is like, it was a cool time because we were making videos and people were just there sitting, watching, yeah. making us yeah. watch this, make this magic. Like a right? live uh, snarky puppy session. Yeah, know? yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, but we didn't have all the different cameras. Yeah. It's just one. And yeah, um, yeah, I remember her mom would come a lot uh, with her at that time because she was 16. Mm-hmm. So um, we would make a lot of videos and um, I think we were all encouraging each other you know, in this thing. And, and people knew that there was something like organic and raw and special. Definitely. And I think the pe- some, uh, a lot of people didn't know that Tori had already been introduced to like the mainstream music industry. She was signed when she was 12, you know, and like she was already doing all these things, but she had got, she was not on a label anymore. I think it was Geffen or something like that. Um, and so she was just doing everything on her own. And uh, I remember meeting her around the time that she was writing like her first songs. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, you know, a big part of me is like, yeah, yeah, I, I helped put, you know, these people onto YouTube and and that independent way of doing it mm-hmm. because I know that that spirit um, came from like being with people who were jamming at my house and stuff. Yeah, you know, yeah. Um, this is also a little later. So this is 2010. Um, and I'm already having some success to a degree on YouTube. Um, I have a music video out that I did with uh, this uh, this indie short film company, Wong Fu Productions. 
And um, we're already kind of doing it. There's a system kind of happening with me and I'm just like doing it consistently, you know? Um, so yeah, I think that vibe and everyone remembering that part where we were all jamming and stuff. Yeah, it's still like special to everybody. And, and Tori had just done a kind of a press tour before, uh, for her album and her mentioning uh, those years is is really cool because you know a lot of people know her from the mainstream now, right? And right. and what she does, but um, she 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 mentions that time in her life as like her college, right? You yeah. know, you'll, she's done that a couple of times during interviews. Yeah, yeah, you'll hear yeah. her say that. You know, it's like the like YouTube college or like mm-hmm. it's like the stomping grounds, Riverside. So yeah, something special <laughs> came out of those years, man. Yeah, because you you were growing so fast. The attention that you were getting was it mostly positive, or when or when you did get negative attention? Yeah. How did you deal with that? Right, right. I know that's a big thing. I think um, I don't read YouTube comments as much anymore, um, but that was a big thing. Yeah. Um, and on Twitter, also like my personality is not. I mean, people know me as a nice guy, um, but I I get defensive and um, I feed a lot off my emotions, mm-hmm. you know, which is why I think, which is why maybe I I write a lot of songs, right? Because like, I, I just like hard on my sleeve type thing. So I react in the moment. Um, and my close friends know me as that person. But on Twitter, I'd like respond back to the haters, haters <laughs> every single time almost back in the wow. day, man. And uh, I remember it came one time, I... I was a little salty that my friend hit the retweet button a lot or something. It was flooding the timeline or some stupid, very stupid thing. And I was like, I did something to call him out. And it was, it was an artist friend of mine. And I remember um, someone was like, yo, I unfollowed you after that because that was kind of mean. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I'll always remember that because it's like, it kind of called me out. And I was just like, well, I'm kind of acting like how I am in real life, which is like, you know, it's okay to somebody mm-hmm. if you know them, but like online, that could affect yeah. your reputation and it could cause people to, because once you get unfollowed, they could not know about anything you do ever for the rest of their lives, you know? And I took that to heart and I was just like, okay, well, um, you know, I need to not put on a face, but like almost just be better about the things that bother me yeah. that don't matter. Right. So like for every like 10 positive comments, you'll get one negative comment and that's an, you have to focus on the other nine. That's good. It's hard though. That's good. You know what I mean? Yeah. But that was my mentality after that. Yeah. That was early on, maybe 2014. Oh, wow. Uh, okay. 2013. That's kind of recent. <laughs> yeah. um, Not really, like six no, years no. ago now. Yeah, yeah. I'll still, <laughs> I'll still like defend myself in a way. Definitely. You know, I think there's the, a lot of the negative the the comments and the trolley comments have to do with like either I'm Asian or um or not the best singer of the bunch. Like I I collaborate with so many good people. You know what I mean? Like what I do know that I bring is like musicality and stuff. Definitely. And, and I can like um since growing up in choir out I, I can harmonize with people and you know do things like that. Yeah. Um but as far as like singer singers and that it's tough too because and y'all know, you start comparing yourself. Um, and, and if people see one video of me singing, 
and then they see another video of me with somebody who's a singer, they're just gonna think that I'm a singer. You know what I mean? Yeah. When like at my heart, it's like I know I'm I'm more than that. Like I'm a musician and you know, I play keys and and all this this yeah. stuff, right? So that would be those would be the comments that would get to me because I know those things. It's just like, you know, when someone calls it out, it's like I know they're not seeing the bigger picture in in my defense anyways. Exactly. Um, so I mean to an extent that's still kind of gets to me sometimes, but you know, as you get older, you start like realizing um that you're given gifts, right? That are that make you unique. Definitely. And 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 your gifts are your own. Um, but you don't really realize that until you're older, until you're looking back. You know what I mean? Um, so that's that's just something I've learned of how to deal with the negative comments and stuff is like, dude, I'm the only one who's gonna be me, so it doesn't matter. Definitely. You know? Yeah, that's good. So that's how I deal with it now. What are some of your uh current passions besides music? Um all the passions I have to do fall under the umbrella of music. Um, but like uh in 2014 I took a hiatus for a lot of different reasons. Um, but uh, because of that, I was more free and I didn't do a lot of YouTube um, videos during that time. And I stopped writing music purposefully. Uh, I was presented the opportunity to music direct um, uh, theater productions. Okay. And my first show I did was Young Frankenstein. And music directing for theater stuff is is a little intimidating because you have all these people coming in there professionally and they're getting paid to do it. Well, it depends what company you're doing it for. Um, but also it's music that is set. So it's different from church. Yeah. And like, I never even called what I did music directing at church. It was just like, let me make some harmonies and like, you know, do this thing. When I've suddenly, there's a name to it and I'm being paid for doing this. It was a little scary. Um, but the theater world, which I, I love doing theater in high school as a performer, and I love musical theater in general, um, but actually having to teach, you know, within the music a certain way. Also, on top of being music director, being um, the pianist, the rehearsal pianist. Um, so it just took me to a different world, man. Like working with like a choreographer who needs to hear the exact things. And Young Frankenstein is a is a Mel Brooks musical, and it's um, it's like a parody on like classical musical theater. So a lot of that stuff was like pretty difficult. Mm -hmm. So I, I was learning how to um, sight read better. Um, and I was doing like being an audition pianist for theater, which is also scary because if you mess up, you know, yeah. you just pretend like you didn't. Yeah. And then that, <laughs> keep going. you just have to keep going. Yeah. It sucks, man. Yeah. But like, and musical theater is very to the books. Like a lot of the stuff they bring in auditions don't have chord on them you know what I mean it's like straight up reading so my my reading had to uh, become better yeah. and I was already a good uh, like a fairly decent uh, sight reader um, so yeah it just made me a better musician in general better cool. pianist um, doing theater stuff so I, I from 2014 to 2017 I music directed five shows and um, all theater stuff and I was also in a production uh, Spring Awakening. Um, so I was also, um, it was my first like professional show as an actor. So um, musical theater, I'd say, is is a big passion. And I just got done doing a run of Tarzan. 
oh, the musical. You played Turk, right? Yeah, I played Turk, that, man? man. It was fun. I ended up fusing everything together, and um, and I created my own Turk, yeah. which was cool. Um, so yeah, that dude, it's it's another passion of mine. Um, you know, being being an actor, singer, it would be hard for me to do like a regular play, like just acting. Like I feel like I still had to have yeah the song definitely. You know what I mean? Have you done a play just with with acting and no singing? Um, in like middle school. Okay, but I've not. Yeah, because the main thing is auditions. Is like I know that my strength is um, is singing, and like acting still working on it. But if you went in for a straight play, um, that's what they call just plays, right? Mm-hmm. With no music, um, I'd have to do a monologue and. You know, like I don't really have any monologues, so yeah. um, it would be tough for me to do that. But I'm definitely interested in doing that, for sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's funny, man. Yeah, bro, <laughs> it's it's been a journey, man. I, I, musical theater, I think, why I love it so much is because I love to tell stories. Like yeah. in my music, you know, it, they all come from real situations. Definitely. Um, so I uh, I really try to. If my if my song and I remember Kanye saying this one time, and he said that if my song is not telling a story the way that a country song or a theater song is telling, then I'm not telling the story good enough, you know. Mm. And like as much as I love like pop music and like general music that you can relate to anybody, like I love writing specific things, and then people, at least my fans, like you know when they know it's about something specific, or if I mention something specific. Kind of in the way that Taylor Swift writes very specific songs, people relate to that more yeah. because they're getting vivid imagery and then they can relate it to their life, you know. Um, so, yeah, storytelling I think in musical theater is why I was I was so attracted to it in the first place. Yeah. So you've always been very intentional with everything you've done. Right. It seems like you know whenever you write a song, it's always about experiences that you've gone through in your life. Um, yeah, friends, family, um, you know music stuff. Yeah. You're very intentional. Yeah. Definitely. I think now and not just in music, I want to do everything intentionally. Like being in LA is so different because everybody is like trying to hang out. Right. Which is cool. Like, of course, and everyone's wanting to do something. They're like, dude, let's do something. Let's do, you know, you meet anybody who doesn't even know your music. They maybe just heard that you had YouTube channel. Like, let's do something, you know? Uh, but now it's very like, sometimes I'd rather just hang out at home because that's where I want to put my energy. Yeah. And like, and when I lived in Riverside, like I'd have people over all the time and like, we're always creating stuff. And not that I don't want that anymore, but like being in LA, since there's such an opportunity to do with everybody, right. um, I like really pick and choose. And I'm very intentional about the energy I'm spending. You just finished January. Uh-huh. So what's that about? You do it every year or? Yeah, it started last year. I had an idea. My friend um, Matt was with me. We were doing a Christmas video and I do a Christmas series every year. Okay. Ever since like the beginning of my YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. And Tori's a big part of that, yeah. you know, and um, a lot of other people have been a part of that. But in the last couple of years, um, it's been getting less videos. Like sometimes I do 10 and it ended up becoming like five or last year was two, you know? And I was just like, at this, I need to like, um, consistency wins on YouTube, yeah. whether it's bad or good right. quality, right? Like content. Yeah. You see like crappy vloggers killing it 
yeah. all the time. Yeah. Maybe even <laughs> some musicians to an extent, yeah. but you know, it's all opinion based and yeah. relative. So who am I to say that this person is not good? But you, you see the people who are flushing it out um, is because they're being consistent. So uh, two years ago, 2017, during Christmas time, I was creating a video with my friend Matt and I was like, dude, I want to do a video every day. He was like, cool, I'm down. So he did most of those videos. Of, but in January, um, we, January 1st, I feel like we filmed one video. January 2nd, we filmed like two videos. We'd catch up with ourselves on like January 5th. January 6th and we're like, crap, we're, we need to find a video for today. Yeah. And I'm scheduling all these things, you know, it's a very stressful time in my life. I released 31 videos <laughs> and um, the rest of that year, I barely did like six or seven. <laughs> this year I was just like, let me just not stress myself out that much. I'll hire a team and, you know, pay them to edit because I was editing everything and mixing stuff um, and half sending stuff out to my friend in New York to mix um, but this time I like was intentional about spending money to people who were professionals in that lane. Yeah. I think that's been a big thing about me and my career is that like I wanted to take control of everything yeah. because uh, I care that much about that that content or or care too much. Mm-hmm. I care too much about it to let it go in the hands of anybody. I have barely sent out my videos to be edited. Um, but this January taught me a lot about just like letting go. And um, I had ev- almost every video edited by the people who did the videography. Okay. And that was new for me. Every, um, almost every video as well, the audio, I'd sent out the raw tracks and sent it to my friend in New York. Yeah. And that was the first time, like, I mean, to an extent, like if I, there's there's two things. It's like you having you having the means to do that, right? Like financially, sure. it's like okay, sure. let me just. In, this is an investment in myself. Yeah. And then the second, it frees up so much more time. Yeah. And I was able to do Tarzan rehearsals without stressing. There was one time I'm in the theater uploading a video <laughs> on my phone. I airdrop the the because there's no Wi-Fi there. I airdrop the video to my phone, and I'm uploading it while you're performing. While I'm in a dress rehearsal. <laughs> it was crazy. Hilarious. And I had to leave it. I had to leave it where it didn't lock. Right? Oh. Because if I locked it, it would stop the upload. Yeah. So yeah. like I put my phone somewhere where no one would even know it was there in case, That's you know? Funny, but I'm checking on it every time I'm off stage. Um, just checking the thing. And, yeah. And if it would get uh, up, uploaded on time. How long was the, the video like? It, this video was a long one. It was um, it was a Beyonce medley, and that was an eight minute video. I think. Oh man, that's a big file. It's a big file, bro. Yeah. It was almost a gig. It was like seven hundred megabytes, and it took the whole, um, the whole run, like uh, when we rehearsed Act One and Act Two. That's um, <laughs> yeah, it was crazy, bro. But it also, I don't know, it kept me on my toes too, yeah. you know. And I'm like. I care about my YouTube community. I want to be held accountable to. Mm-hmm. And that's why I was like, I'm going to do every other day, which is a lot, not compared to every day last year. But yeah. I see myself doing it every year to some extent. Because um, I think people are like excited about that time. Yeah. They're like, yo, January's coming. I right. can't wait to see what he comes out with next, yeah. you know? Um, but also taking what I learned from there and like the efficiency and putting it into February, March, April, May. Yeah. I mean... Why not? You know what I mean? Yeah. I feel like I 
I should be taking that. So as much as I tell other people consistency wins and I'm giving them all these tips on YouTube, you know, sometimes I don't take it myself. So that, so January is a big time for me to be like, all right, this is, you know, I'm going to take the advice that I'm giving other people. Right. Putting it to work. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. A couple months ago, I saw on on Instagram, you posted a, a picture. You were holding an award of some, I think it was from the city. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. What, what, what's that about? Yeah. yeah. Um, that was pretty cool. I can't remember exactly what yeah, it was. Yeah. So it was called, it was a new award that was uh, made up. Every award is made up, uh, <laughs> but by a board of people. Um, and it, they called it the Filipino American Game Changer Award. And um, they just wanted to give it to people who, have made an impact on uh, the community and maybe possibly history. Wow. Where So I really felt, I've always felt like a part of kind of the new movement of, because stereotype of Asian Americans in general is that we're quiet. We're always wanting, we're always um, studying to be doctors, lawyers. We're a model minority, mm. you know? And I think, um, that it wasn't until YouTube and until um, when mainstream starts featuring uh, Asian slash Asian Americans that are not just part of the stereotype, like right. on TV and stuff. Right. But a big part of that was YouTube. And I think, um, like, I, I'd like to think of myself as part of the movement where, you know, um, people have ukuleles around high school. They're singing my songs. They're singing... J.R. Aquino, Jeremy Passion, Gabe Bondoc, these, these also Filipino artists to especially dudes out there, guys, who are, would usually be shy or um, n- like they don't think that they are like the people to like be singing to a girl or something like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So there was this stereotype. Like I, I saw a lot of tweets over the years like Filipino uh, F. F-boy starter pack. You got a ukulele. You got like, um, you're wearing a certain kind of shoes. You got like a Supreme bag, which I, I'm not part of the hype beast movement, but <laughs> singing an AJ Raphael song. You know what I mean? Like that was the starter pack. When I started seeing tweets like that and I started seeing retweets like, oh, you, um, you didn't grow up uh, playing an AJ Raphael song to your girl um, to ask her to prom and it shows. You know, like things like that. I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm part of the culture because I was just, I just happened to be one of the first to do it. Yeah. To represent somebody who reflects me and someone who's like, oh, this guy's age is doing it. And he's a Filipino guy. And, you know, he has immigrant parents and like, I do too. Cool. Yeah. Like yeah. I, I look up to him. Like a sense of empowerment. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. We didn't have that growing up. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like. Our representation is um, our sidekicks, Dragon Ladies, Jackie Chan, um, <laughs> Yellow Power Ranger. It's not like, <laughs> it's insane that we didn't have a Filipino artist making it to mainstream until Bruno Mars, yeah. who does not, and I, I'm not mad at it, but he's, he's not like, hey guys, I'm Filipino. Right. You know right. what I mean? People have to find out that. Yeah. So it's like, Oh, okay, here's our representation, you know. And we've had very, very few throughout the years. Like Asian Americans only really have like their parents and then whatever you have on mainstream. Yeah. Um, so for me, that award, um, 
I don't know. It was nice to have validation. Yeah. And it's like, hey, man, you helped change the game. It was with other people. Like a, um, there was a Filipino-American um, artist who worked for Pixar. And he was one of the first. Um, There's a, a radio host as well, PJ Butter, who was the first in the Bay Area, Filipino, okay. one of the first, you know. Um, so it was cool being up there with people like this who have kind of helped move the industry to show that they are a part of the first wave in 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 hopes of more people doing what they do right. because they see somebody who represents them, right? Yeah. So yeah, it's called the Film Game Changer Award and it was uh from the city of LA from Wow. Yeah, that's awesome, so man. that was cool, man. That's very cool. And that was the first time they gave that award. Yeah. So it's like a really cool like certificate and something I can, you know, share with my kids and yeah. stuff. So what do you think your uh, greatest achievement is so far? Um, I, I, it's hard to say anything tangible. If, if it was something tangible, it'd be Red Roses. I like to look at that as something that has affected a lot of people in good ways. And people who are like, that's the soundtrack of my middle school and my high school. And that's very cool to have. And the fact that like people are still listening to it in the Philippines on Spotify and iTunes, like they're still my top audience, you know, mm-hmm. listening to to that music. Um, but as far as other things, I don't know. It just uh, like making my family and friends proud. Like you know, when I see them at any of my things, any of my shows, yeah. Um, like I'm like, oh, I'm the proudest I've ever been each and every time. You know, I think that's that truly is what it it is for me. It's like I I get so much fulfillment from um, seeing, especially my mom who's worked so hard her whole life and she's still working. Like I wish I could make enough money so she could retire already. Yeah. You know, and yeah. she's been through so much. Like my dad passing away and right. Right. her first husband before my dad passed away. Like mm-hmm. she's been through so much. Wow. Um, and she's she was the only one who migrated to America from. The Philippines, the rest of her siblings live in Australia. So she's like away from her family. Um, so yeah, like the, my biggest achievement would be to like, yeah, to like continue to, to make her proud and stuff, you know, like, I don't know, I want to buy her like a car and then a house and then, you know, these things and that, that, that would be it. Yeah. You know, I think, uh, I think. Latinos and Asians are very similar. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah. You go to a, um, a Mexican (laughs) party. It's the same feel, dude. Yeah. It's yep. crazy. So much food, oh, so yeah. much noise, you know? <laughs> and then the everyone like bugging you to eat. Yeah. You can't leave without exactly, e- eating. Exactly. Exactly. That's how it is in my house too. Yeah, bro. Yeah. For real. That's the culture, you know? And 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 the and the culture of wanting to take care of your parents. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we don't get kicked out necessarily at 18. Is it when you get married? It was uh, that kind of Yeah, like my mom would Yeah. My mom probably would even be like if Live still live here with yeah. your wife. Like she probably would want to. <laughs> you know, yeah. she never wanted to kick me out, or you know. And I was twenty, dude. I was twenty nine when I left home. That's crazy, wow. right? Like, um, I I mean, there were other, obviously other things. Like both of my sister had sisters had moved out. Mm-hmm. My youngest sister moved out to college, okay. and my mom, um, finally told me she was getting married, and I was like, okay. Cool. Yeah. The responsibility and not that it was a burden, but I was like, cool. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to do my own thing. But, you know, I always have a home 
if I am in Riverside, you know, mom's always like, come Def. home. And yeah. you know how it is, man. You know what I mean? It's just like that warm wanting to take care yeah. of their own, right? Yeah. Um, like you hardly see, and this is a cultural thing, but it's not like my plan is when my mom is older to put her in some kind of nursing home or something. You know what I mean? That's right. not part of our right. thing. I don't look down on anyone who does that, but it's like, that's yeah. not part of our, exactly. yeah. our yeah. culture. Most definitely. You know? So... Yeah, there, there's something about about that, and, and uh, the Latino and Hispanic and Mexicans, they can definitely when they come to a Filipino party, you know, they're <laughs> like, right "This is home." home. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah, who's been the most influential person in your life, and uh, do you have anybody that keeps you accountable in any way? Um, to answer the second question, I have a couple of mentors. Um. One is a business mentor, my friend Daniel Kim, who, you know, is always trying to inspire me in different ways to to monetize myself, mm-hmm. um, which is hard for me because um, like even morally, like it's hard to ask people for money and stuff. And, um, but, you know, it, the internet is like, is a business, you know? Right. And I've been giving so much of myself away for free in the last decade. You know, like as far as live streams and like behind the scenes stuff, I've never looked at it as a way to like monetize, right? right? So, so he in a way has helped me figure that, um, figure that, or at least to take steps. Um, uh, my friend Dante Bosco, who's an actor, um, has been helping a lot with uh, just life in general. Um, he's a Filipino American actor. He put, he was Rufio and Hook. And I remember watching him when he when I was young and I was like, oh, this Filipino dude in this Robin Williams movie. You know what I mean? And, and when we eventually became friends, like I know it was someone else who had gone through similar things yeah. um, as far as like representation and stuff. And so he he helps keep me accountable for just things in life. Um, and I'm really very close with my mom as well. So her as well. Um, as far as influential um Oh, and also like my fans keep me accountable too. You know, I put myself out there a lot, yeah. you know, like my personal sure. stuff. So, you know, I it's, I don't really hide anything from my fans. So having that relationship um, keeps me accountable. As far as most influential person, besides my dad, who, you know, I was telling you about, um, I'd say it's just like my peers, you know, like my band, um, people who I play music with, mm-hmm. um, those people have a lot of influence on, on me wanting to just be a better like musician, yeah, um, and and person almost you know. Yeah. But like I I look around and see these careers, example, um, like Kina Granis, another independent YouTube artist. She was like an, a career that I was looking very closely at, even though we were friends. I like as like a career I want to model myself after. You know, she would like tour half the year and then write the next year and just keep writing, like releasing stuff. You know, I was like, damn, I really want to be that yeah. on the game. And she's very connected with her fans. Um, but eventually, you know, in being influenced by these different people, you find your own way of doing things, you know. Um, so this year and last year was kind of a, a big restart for me after the hiatus and really just have to like, I don't know be your own greatest influence. Yeah. You know, I think that's really eventually what it comes down to. Yeah. Um, it's, and it's easy to take from like successful people's 
kind of strategy and things like that, but you, you have to make your own. When you don't have, especially when you don't have like a record label or big money backing you up. Right. I think that's my biggest, and I, I wouldn't want to call it a struggle, but like a biggest thing of mine. And when I influence other people who are in a similar boat is like, dude, we don't really have that luxury of having all these people be on our team, you know? Um, so I'm still, I'm still finding that and, and in what way I want to be influenced um, this year. I don't have, I haven't set my goals yet for this year. It's crazy. You're a little behind, but you know, yeah, I know. You know, we're like February, March. Um, <laughs> no, but I, it, most of it has to do with that. I'm turning 30, and I'm like, dude, I just want to enjoy life yeah. this year. You know, being in Tarzan made me want to do theater um, a lot. So I have a couple auditions coming up already. You know, and um, I respect people who do that hustle because they're they're live they're living off like just opportunities and people. And it's actually people's judgment, mm. you know. Yeah. It's crazy, and it, and but what I've learned growing up was to create my own opportunities, you know. And like, if someone's not gonna accept me here, like I was rejected from every single reality show, from Idol to Voice or whatever. I'm like, f it. That's more of a reason, and God showing me that I need to continue to make my own videos right. and like I'm making my own opportunities, you right. know. So during this time when I'm I'm maybe jealous of people who are on The Voice and like. Wow, they get this platform. I'm making my own platform, you know? Yeah. So I'm used to that world. So when I'm getting into acting and stuff and doing theater, you're waiting on somebody to say yes for you. You know what I mean? So in a lot of ways, you know, I respect the people who do it a lot because they get rejected a ton. And then they just keep hustling yeah. for the next opportunity, yeah. you know? It's almost a numbers game. So yeah, man. You have any plans to get married? <laughs> Ooh. I get that question maybe four or five times a week. Four, I'm, and I, I'm the sixth. You're the sixth <laughs> already, and it's only Tuesday. <laughs> I um, and I answer it the same way every time I say that I've gotten asked that question four to five times <laughs> a week. <laughs> um, yeah, I. Of course, it's in the future. Yeah, in the plans. Yeah. You know, I've never been so, I don't feel pressured, but like people see, maybe because they see that I am happy. Mm -hmm. So it's, I, I'm happy that that shows and maybe that I've been posting more, you know, because me as a public persona, you know, like we control, everybody does, whether how, however big they are, um, however many followers they are, they, you put on a person, like you can control the perception of right. yourself. Right. Social media. Yeah. Um, but you know that I'm freely posting these very cute pictures with my girlfriend you know and they're like when are you getting married and stuff so I accept all that I'm I'm happy with it it's all good um, but yeah of, co of course I'm thinking about it I'm almost 30 yeah. now I keep bringing that up it's a thing it not that it thing. matters is it, I mean does it matter you know like time is a, is a concept yeah <laughs> it's very true you know like someone made up that these things are called years. Right. You know, like what are the cycles, right? Yeah. That's a whole different podcast. We're like going really deep. Hey man, it's all good. <laughs> this is a general podcast. Yeah, so bro. No, I'm with it, man. Um, so yeah, I would, yeah, it's, it's in the plans, man. I, I'm thinking about it more and more. And, you know, I used to kind of be scared of it. You know, I was in other relationships before where like, you just kind of think you're going to stay young forever, you know, but you got to think of 
future. You know, one thing my girlfriend has brought unto me, onto me, um, and has projected into my being is being organized and structural. I've never been that person. I'm always like, let's just live life. Let's be spontaneous. You know, the reason I even moved out here was because I started becoming more of like someone who's thinking about the future and organized and structural, you know, because I would think about rent and stuff. And I'm like, you know, I'm, and we know as musicians, like we're living large and taking our friends out all the time for a couple months. And then if you got two months where you're like, I'm not going out. Yeah. I'm on a sabbatical. Yeah. You know, when you're not maybe getting as many gigs, I was scared of that, you know, but the more you plan out your future and stuff and you're like, and you're saving money and things like that, which I have not been used to, then it creates a better future for you. What do you think is the current state of YouTube today? Um, I think it is, I don't know. I've gotten a lot of different things. A lot of people think it's dying, you know, because it's, we've been getting less views and it's maybe harder to get like a video viral. But I think it's because there's so much content on there. Mm. Of course, like naturally, not everyone is going to be getting the same views, but also like YouTube on its own, the the algorithm and the way that it operates, it cannot feature every single thing. Right. It has to literally be, you know, something that, I don't know, really resonates with pop culture at the time in a way. Um, so like right now, I would not be using it as a way to get viral. Like a lot of, I think a lot of people who are just getting started or yeah. even companies right. are like, let's find a way to make something viral or whatever, you know? Like I still see it as like a, a way to have like a consistent um, platform to to express yourself. Right. And like you're building your own resume of these videos, you know, like whether or not they have a lot of views or not, they're like on your channel. Yeah. You'll get to like, say you go into a job or something, you want to show somebody these videos that you're making, you know, you're going to show them the five videos that you're proud of and they're already there. Yeah. You know, so I see it just as an extension of what you're doing. And I think that YouTube will always be powerful in that sense because that's going to live forever on the website Right. that will outlast you. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's up to you really on how you want to use it. I think, you know, for a lot of brands and stuff and, and big companies, um, they're seeing YouTube is like billboard space now, you know, to everybody and they're paying like influencers to, to use it. So it's also a way to still like make money and, and further your career. So yeah, yeah. It, it's hard to say though. Cause when I'm talking about those times that we were talking about earlier, it's like, those are fun organic times where you're not worrying about the views and stuff right. and you're not worrying about any of that yeah. stuff. What's the first video that, that was on YouTube? I can't even... On YouTube? On YouTube, the very first I think one. it was like a cat video. Right. Um, video ever on YouTube. <laughs> um, oh, no. Yeah, it's some guy who was at the San Diego Zoo standing in front of a bunch of elephants. <laughs> That's the first YouTube video, I think. That's hilarious. But the like one of the, some of the first viral videos, there's like this dude called... He was dancing. It's called the Evolution of Dance. He did like a bunch of different dance videos. Oh, um, that's right. He was in a, like a theater or something. Yeah, it was a theater. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fun fact, actually, that was part of this Asian American talent showcase called Collaboration with a K. Wow. And he was just one of the competitors. It was funny. And he's a white guy. 
you know, like, but like it, it was specifically made so like Asian Americans could have a thing, and it still goes on till this day. And I've that's com- cool. Yeah, I've performed at it a couple of times, but but yeah, YouTube, bro, it's been it's been a while, um, but also yeah, th- what fourteen years? There, yeah, yeah, about fourteen years or so. It's crazy, man. Yeah, yeah but starting right after it was it was because like MySpace was my first thing, and and it became a habit. But I also, I me. I at the time was more into the internet than my other friends mm-hmm. and I would like want to create websites and um I was on other websites like Friendster and I remember that uh, yeah. high five yeah 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 exactly um like live journal and blogspot and stuff so yeah. I was always messing with like html to make my profile look cool and yeah and then when MySpace came out it was you know a community for everybody to right. do it but YouTube really I mean, YouTube changed my life, man. Yeah. You know, and like, it caught it, it allowed me to go anywhere in the world mm. to play a show, and there would be some people there. Yeah, who knew exactly? You know, That's who cool. knew what I did because they saw a YouTube video. Yeah, you've already answered this all throughout the podcast. But what would be your advice for individuals that are trying to get their careers going? Not just not just on YouTube, but in general, stuff that they you know want to do, but they're not motivated enough or they don't have the people supporting them what's your advice for them yeah man i think um if if someone as important as like your parents don't support you or whatever like find the people who do and i'm sure there are you know those like your best friends and stuff like if say i didn't have the support of my mom like you know rb who helped me sell cds that kind of guy and some other friends who would like take care of my little sister when I needed to play a show and mom was at work, you know, those people, you know, you got to rely heavily on like, and, and have them be real with you. Like, Hey, is the stuff I'm doing, is it good? You know what I mean? Not just yes people, not people who are just, so surrounding yourself with, you know, the right people. Um, when it comes to anything, not just music, um, social media. And you know, there's 50% of the world who are like, nah, I don't do social media and stuff. You're just like blocking out, the revolutionary thing that is the internet that has changed mankind, you know, ever since like the first thing that changed mankind since like the TV came out, you know what I mean? Like you, you're, you're almost being ignorant, right? So like if you are using social media and the internet to further along your business, whatever it is, you want to keep reminding people if you're an individual, like what you do. So like, to put it in an example, um, like the first nine scores of it, say an Instagram, you know, when you're scrolling, mm-hmm. you want at least in that first scroll there to be something that reminds people of what it is you do. Whether it's like, for me specifically, it'd be like, let me put a video, even one of the YouTube videos I already made, in a minute clip and post it on there. Yeah. So anyone who's new to my page doesn't just see artsy photos or selfies or pictures with my girlfriend, right. which is all cool. Yeah. But a lot of, I think artists, especially they get sucked into their Instagram wanting to look super clean and all this yeah. stuff. Yeah. When like you want somebody who's about to hire you for whatever it is you do, if you're an artist, if you're a fine artist or whatever, or photographer, not just selfies, 
you have something that is like, oh, here's a video of him playing piano. Damn, he's good. Yeah. You know what I mean? And they don't have to keep searching. Right. right? So that's what I'd say is like, even in the first 20 tweets, that the last 20 tweets that you have, you know, like you want your brand to be out there enough that people don't have to keep looking for it. That's like good. Search, right? Good. So I think that's a, a big thing. Consistency is what I've been saying, right? Because that's how bad quality content becomes popular because they're being consistent and you're not, mm. right? So that's one thing. Um, you know, the community, whatever that is, if it's the people around you or if it's followers online, you know, you want to you wanna know. One thing, one advice I got from my business mentor, he's like, you, you need to know in your head what your top fans look like. So like the top three, who are they? And I was able to name like their usernames because they're always commenting on things. What do they actually look like or what do they like? You know, because now at this point, you are almost like friends with the people who are consistently yeah. looking at you or coming to your shows and stuff. Like, oh, I, if you're making a shirt or a merch, right? If I'm making a shirt, I'd be like, oh, so-and-so, which is my fan number number one fan, would like this. Mm-hmm. So let me cater to to that, you know? That's cool. So it's like, yeah. So like knowing your audience in whatever it is you do. Um, and like... And upselling all that stuff, you know, yeah. and being, and riding that wave. You know what I mean? Like we're in an era where we can we can delete videos if we needed to. You, if you're selling something, you can mark it as sold out if you want, right? Like you can experiment, yeah, and like be like, okay, they like this, or and then ride the wave. You know, like when I was in the Philippines, even though myself I am Filipino, um, it's like I'm not used to the culture over there really. Um, and I wanted to go home so bad. And I'm just like, man, I want to go back to where my home is, right? Yeah. But like, at the same token, I'm killing it over there. Um, I was like s- selling out concerts and stuff. Wow. So someone's like, hey, stay an extra week, we'll get you. Yeah. So in, in that sense, I was like, all right, I'm riding the wave, even if I have some stuff going on at home. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like, I don't know, you only live once. And like, yeah. you got to take advantage of of the opportunity and seizing the moment. So um, those are just like life things. Definitely. Um, but yeah, in general, keep, keep in touch with the community, keep creating, collaborating, um, and being consistent and then remind people who you are every, every once in a while. That's Even good. if you think that people keep seeing the same thing, yeah. dude, there are new people showing up every right. single day. Right. Yeah. That's good. AJ, thank you so much for your time, man. Dude, of course, man. Appreciate it, bro. Yeah. Very, very much. Very good stuff. Everything thank you, you shared was on point and dude very real very raw yeah yeah so thank cool you. man looking forward to to more podcasts i'm thank 13 you. i'm number 13 yes you're number 13 oh god <laughs> we were trying to skip 13 but it's so, so unlucky bro <laughs> they skipped the 13th floor in hotels you know what i mean cool man yeah uh, thank a- you bro thank you aj this is right. episode number 13 with aj Raphael. yes oh See we didn't guys. do nothing to the camera come Yo. on man hey thanks for watching <laughs> all right guys see you all guys right. next time subscribe <laughs> please do welcome back thank you guys for checking out episode number 13 with aj Raphael. episode number 14 next week